Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Hoop From Home, uh, the second episode of our top 25 greatest basketball players ever. Today, Caleb and I are going to be going through players 11 through 15, uh, 11 through 25. Sorry, Caleb, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. You ready to get into this? Yes, I am. All right, let's do it. So, Max, I noticed in our first episode, we covered a lot of players. We had very similar order of players while the ranking was a little off. And you actually talked about a bunch of players that are in your top 10, but they're in my top through 11 to 25. And I think the same case is for you. So first, let's run through our list, okay? So you yep. can go first. Who's your number 11? Number 11, I had Moses Malone. Number 12 is Dirk Nowitzki. 13, Oscar Robinson. 14, Carl Malone. 15, Scottie Pippen. 16, Steph Curry. Uh, 17 is Alvin Hayes. 18 is John Havlicek. 19, Kevin Durant. Number 20 is Wilt Chamberlain. 21, Charles Barkley. 22, Jerry West. 23, Kevin Garnett. 24, Kawhi Leonard. And number 25, David Robinson. All right, awesome. So my list is quite similar. At number 11, I have Hakeem Olajuwon, 12, Tim Duncan, 13, Shaq, 14, Jerry West, 15, Oscar Robertson, 16, Moses Malone, 17, Julius Irving, 18, John Havlicek, 19, Elgin Baylor, 20, Bob Pettit, 21, Carl Malone, 22, Kevin Garnett, 23, Dirk Nowitzki, 24, Scottie Pippen, and 25, Dwayne Wade. We're in for some interesting discussions, Caleb. I noticed a lot of things in your list that I'd like to talk about. But first, you know, let's, let's go down the list chronologically and start with number 11. So uh, let's start with you, just because we talked about Hakeem in the previous episode, so we can get a little bit more information on him before we go to Moses Malone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, so we talked about Hakeem. I think he was your number 10 player. Yep. And my number 10 player was Kobe. So yeah, Hakeem, one of the best centers of all time, won back-to-back -back championships. Um, arguably the most skilled center of all time. He had so many post moves uh, that required a lot of finesse mixed with a lot of power and strength. Yeah, I put him ahead of some great centers such as Tim Duncan and Shaq, but he was right behind uh, Wilt and Kareem for best centers of all time. So, yep, that's why he came in at number 11. Your number 11 is Moses My Malone. 11, yeah. Moses Malone. So another great center. One spot below Hakeem on my list, and I'll uh, talk a little bit about why. So just before I do that, just want to run through Moses Malone's stats and accomplishments. He was the MVP of the league three times, which is very impressive. Uh, he only had one finals victory, but he won the finals MVP during that, uh, during that year. That was during uh, 1983. He was on the all-defensive team two times, and he made eight all-NBA teams. And he was also obviously in the Hall of Fame. Uh, over his career, he averaged 20 points and 12 rebounds, starting off low with his uh, in his rookie season, just as all players do. But then again, making that you know gradual uh, increase over time. The one thing you know that Moses Malone did do, which moved him a little bit lower on the list in comparison to some other centers that I talked about in the previous episode, was uh, how many teams that Moses Malone has been on. You know, he started on. Uh, Toronto, then he went to Houston, then he went to Buffalo, back to Houston, then to Philadelphia, Washington, Atlanta, and Milwaukee. So, you know, he's just been around the league and hasn't really asserted himself with one team other than the championship Rockets. But, you know, other than that, a tremendous center, and that's why he earned himself number 11 on my list. Really, I never knew much about Moses Malone. I actually thought he was related to Carl Malone, but he's not. He definitely is one of the best centers of all time. I would argue one of the greatest rebounders of all time. Um, looking at his stat line in his one championship with the 76ers, he swept um, the Showtime Lakers. And you can see in game one, he was points leader for 27 points. He was also the re rebound leader, 18 rebounds. And this kind of continued from game one to game three. Points and rebounds, he led the game. This was kind of insane because he was destroying a prime Kareem. And only in game four, Kareem scored more points than he did but Malone still got 23 rebounds in one game. So that was that dominance in one 
final series definitely requires him to be one of the all-time greats. Yeah, he played with Dr. J, which made a really dynamic duo um, with the great 76ers team. I put him a little lower just because I think there were a few more dominant centers and more versatile centers uh, other than him. Because while he was a great rebounder and he was a hard worker and he had a high motor, he wasn't very skilled offensively. He got most of his points on putbacks or dunks just because he wanted the ball more and he fought harder. But when it comes to post moves, you see players like Elijah Wan or Duncan or Shaq that they just had a lot more in their bag. So that's why I put him a little lower. Yeah, same same reasoning goes for me. You know, as we said in our previous episode, I had Shaq at four, Duncan at eight, Moses Malone just a little bit below for the reasons I talked about and the ones that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's move on uh, to number 12. Caleb, you had Tim Duncan. Yep. So for the next few minutes, I guess I am mostly talking about centers. Yeah, Tim Duncan coming in right behind Elijah Wan. This was a really hard uh, ranking for these three great centers, Shaq, Elijah Wan, and Duncan. But I put Duncan at number 12. Uh, just looking at his rings, he has five rings and three finals MVP. We mentioned last episode he was an integral part of the Spurs dynasty. Uh, he and Pop really made that, that dynasty prosper for years and years. Yeah, I don't think there's much more we can talk about for Duncan. Just a dominant center. Um, he played some great teams. He had also some great teammates such as Dave Robinson or Kawhi. Just a great center. Yeah, uh, Caleb, you know, we, we talked a lot about Tim Duncan in the previous episode. Uh, we'll move on to my number 12, who is Dirk Nowitzki. Now, I think this is a very, this is a very tough choice for me to put him at 12. When I was making my list, I put him, you know, all sorts of different spots and moved him around a lot. So I'll make the case why he's number 12. Dirk, Dirk's a very interesting player. He only has one championship, which was a very interesting championship. He, he kind of stole it but I'll talk about that a little bit. Right now, I'll just go over some of his accomplishments. He won the finals MVP when he won his championship. He was the NBA MVP one time. He made 12 All-NBA teams, and he appeared in the Olympics. Unfortunately, did not win due to the Dream Team. All right, so Dirk, Dirk won his championship in 2011. During the series, he averaged 26 points, nine rebounds, and two assists. You know, he, he played a young LeBron and Dwayne Wade team the, the with the Miami Heat and, you know, Chris Bosh, obviously, and the GOAT Mario Chalmers. So in that series, you know, some argue that Dirk didn't really deserve to win that series. You know, this was LeBron's year and Dwayne Wade's year, and they've been playing great all season, and Dirk kind of swooped in and took it from them. Now, this is arguably a plus side to Dirk Nowitzki and his Mavericks team. But some say, you know, the, the Heat played bad, played sloppy series, and just kind of threw it away and gave it to Dirk. Yeah, I think that narrative is really interesting because I wouldn't say Dirk stole it. Um, I would more say LeBron gave it away. This series is very bad part of LeBron's legacy, um, or at least his early career. So you have this young big three Heat team that is the super team dominating the league, and LeBron just really chokes in the finals um and I think Dirk beating LeBron uh LeBron being one of the best players of all time and also beating prime Dwayne Wade that really cements his spot in one of the best players of all time he put up 27 to 34 points in every single game he was just a dominant force and beating a big three heat team in only six games that was really impressive yeah it was very interesting that Dirk was a player that really began the the talk of questioning LeBron's clutchness. I put him just a little lower than you, but he still made my top 25. Oh, um, something also interesting about Dirk's career. He lost to another Heat team a little earlier. I think it was in 2005. He lost to uh, Wade's Heat, which I actually think made, boosted Wade's legacy greatly. But just due to how young Dirk was, I kind of let that slide. Yeah, just a great player. So next for my list, number 13, I have Shaq. We talked about Shaq and Kobe in the last episode, but for Shaq, why I put him a little lower, I do think he was one of the most dominant players of all time, just the combination of strength and finesse. But what I put him a little lower is just his work ethic. Um, 
I think I already mentioned that, but he just played some of the best centers of all time, and he came out on top most of the time. A reason why I put him a little lower is just kind of how he, he couldn't figure it out, how to play with Kobe. And also, I guess it's a two-way street, both Kobe's fault, but just the potential that team had of greatness, I kind of think they threw it away by just being petty and not being able to coexist. Um, so unfortunately, that's why I put him lower. He's one of my favorite players of all time. So uh, my number uh, 13 spot, I had Oscar Robertson. So Oscar Robertson, old point guard, uh, he was drafted in 1960. He made 11 All-NBA teams. He won one league MVP, obviously in the Hall of Fame, one Rookie of the Year, and he was an Olympic gold medalist. Oscar Robertson, he won one championship in 1971, uh, and he averaged over his career 25 points per game, 9.5 assists per game, and 7.5 rebounds as a point guard. Now, he's he's partly he's just so high on my list, not because of his um, you know championship performances or his early rookie performance, but his consistency over his career. Uh, I can excuse having one championship when you average almost a triple double for your career. You know, he was a couple rebounds off and like one assist off for averaging his triple double. He was another early example of a six five guard who really liked to handle the ball. Uh, I think if he was just a little more dominant and basketball was a little more prominent in the culture back then, Oscar Robertson could have had a similar career to Magic Johnson. Not as, you know, impactful and memorable, but definitely in the same area as changing the way positions are played. Yeah, it was definitely impressive that he snuck in a ring during a time of such dominant teams, such as the Celtics or the Lakers. Yeah, he really created the triple-double, um, which I've become to care about a lot because being a Westbrook fan, in his prime, he was averaging 30.3 points a game, nine rebounds, 10.6 assists. So for eight years, he nearly was averaging a triple-double, which is just unheard of. While that can be argued, is it really that effective? Does it, mean, does it lead to winning? It's still just a statistical... Um, phenomenon it's really impressive he has 181 triple doubles career triple doubles which puts him first all time yeah he's a six-time assist champ just one of the best point guards of all time so let's move through the list for 14 I have another point guard uh Jerry West so Jerry West uh also known as Mr. Clutch he was the NBA logo just a really iconic NBA figure he averaged 27 points a game, 5.8 rebounds, 6.7 assists his career. Uh, he played 14 seasons. And the thing that is just destroys West's record is his 1-8 finals record. Um, this is due to a dominant Celtics team with Bill Russell. He met Bill Russell in the finals many times, and he just never seemed to be able to match him. And Something incredible about West's legacy is he's the first player and only player ever to win a finals MVP with his team losing the finals. That showed how incredible he was, even if his team couldn't push him over the edge. Yeah, Jerry West, for me, he's lower on the list than you have him. I have him at number 22. And mainly because of, like you said, the 1-8 finals record. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, definitely a tremendous player. A lot of memorable, game, memorable games, you know, scoring 63 versus New York, definitely one that I've heard about growing up way, way, way after he was done playing. Uh, played with the Lakers his whole career, which I definitely uh, I reward. Uh, he averaged 30 points for a good number of his seasons, and if, if it was under 30 points per season, it was just barely under 30. I think his lowest was 17 for his rookie season. Uh, like you said, Caleb, one and eight finals record is really not a good look for him. Definitely moves him down on the list. But the finals MVP really does speak to how good this guy was at basketball. And obviously the NBA logo being modeled after him. You really can't argue with that. Just yeah, overall. I've heard many people say he's one of the most underrated players of all time, which I find interesting. Um, he was putting up crazy numbers, but still – it was kind of overshadowed by Elgin Baylor or Wilt Chamberlain. Um, 
who were on the same team and putting up just as outstanding numbers and probably even better numbers. But I think what makes him so underrated is his finals record, like we said. Um, but he was just a really clutch player and paved the way for a lot of scoring point guards. So next, number 14, you have Carl Malone. Yep, Carl Malone, uh, infamous Michael Jordan rival. So Carl Malone just briefly averaged a double-double for his career with 25 points and 10 rebounds. He also had three assists per game. He won two MVPs for the league. He won uh, the NBA Player of the Week 23 times, which is, you know, I think I think is pretty important. Uh, 14 All-NBA teams, one All-Rookie team, two Olympic gold medals. He is obviously in the Hall of Fame and four uh, All-NBA defensive teams. Now, Carl, Carl Malone, his, his uh, struggle was Michael Jordan and the Bulls. He always got outshined by Michael Jordan. It was just such an. It was just so unlucky for him because he was, you know, he was so great. He was a dominant scorer, a dominant rebounder, but just could not figure out how to beat Michael Jordan. And I think that is why he is um, number fourteen on my list, one notch above Scottie Pippen, who we'll talk about in a minute. But the fact that he just couldn't get a couldn't get a ring, you know, it's just not not a good look for him. Yeah. So I. Uh... It seems I kind of – I think I punished Carl Malone a little more than you did for not being able to get a ring. Um, I just think he's one of those players. He puts up these great numbers. He's on a pretty good team, um, but it just doesn't relate to winning. And I think that is kind of common in when you're talking about the NBA's greatest players. You need to really pay attention to if the stats – relate to winning he has an 0-3 finals record and he was putting up in his prime 27.6 points a game 10.9 rebounds which is insane but you have to think he also has John Stockton as his point guard and John Stockton just lives to assist Carl Malone they had a really good mutual understanding that Carl Malone wanted to put up his 25-27 points a game and John Stockton wanted to get his 10 assists so that led to insane averages and um point and assist career totals uh Carl Malone is second for points ever scored um but it never led to winning so that's why I had to put Carl Malone a little lower he kind of reminds me of a Wilt Chamberlain um having putting up dominant numbers but never really winning that much but just not even winning a single ring and putting up those kind of numbers it's it's really mind-boggling yeah I mean like you google Carl Malone, and the first picture that comes up is a picture of him getting blocked by Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. He was just always in Michael Jordan's shadow and can never break yeah. free. So. And there's many, there's many players in that time that had the same fate as Carl Malone, like Charles Barkley, also in Michael Jordan's shadow, never won a ring, but he was yeah. a great player during that time. You know who did Our, beat him? Shaq. Who did? Shaq beat well, him. That's four. true. Rookie yep. Shaq. All right, mm-hmm. let's keep moving on. Uh, we're on number 15. Yep, so number 15, I had Oscar Robertson. We already talked about Oscar Robertson a lot. I put him below Jerry West. I think that's where we disagreed. You put him quite a bit higher than Jerry West. I think he was a great point guard. His only championship was with a Bucks team that had Kareem on it. I think he was a great point guard. And it's questionable if the triple-doubles really meant something, especially in his day. But yeah, just still a dominant force on the court. You had, at number 15, you had Scottie Pippen. Yep. Just looking at Scottie Pippen's numbers, they're low for someone who, you know, is ranked 15 all-time. 16 points, 6 rebounds, and 5 assists per his career. Uh, Obviously, never won an MVP, never won a finals MVP, and that's all because of Michael Jordan. He did, however, appear on 10 All-NBA defensive teams and 7 NBA uh, on seven All-NBA teams and, you know, obviously in the Hall of Fame. Uh, And he did win the All-Star Games Most Valuable Player, which should not go unnoticed. Um, Scottie Pippen, six rings. Can't argue with six rings, but at the same time, those rings were courtesy of Michael Jordan. Uh, Michael Jordan, you know, greatest player ever. But in the Jordan documentaries, and this has become more and more apparent as I keep watching and keep researching, there's no Michael without Scottie. 
And, you know, that coming from Michael Jordan, him saying that, and, you know, hearing uh, Phil Jackson and Dennis Rodman all back that up, really, I think, you know, speaks volumes to, to Scottie Pippen's performance and value as a player. And that's why he's so high on my list. Scottie Pippen also made my top 25. Just one of the best defenders of all time, um, a wing defender. And he was a great offensive player, but him being known for his defense, it's kind of interesting that he made the greatest of all time list because I'm looking at both of our lists and we, we only have a handful of players that were primarily great defenders um, to make the list. I think it's harder to be really revered as one of the best players ever if you're known for your defense, just because really defense doesn't always produce stats that people can look at. But yeah, Scotty, six titles, that's really impressive. And I think, yeah, he definitely was an integral part of Jordan being able to win all of those championships. Why I put him a little lower is in the Jordan documentary, he really, he caused a lot of problems um, for the team chemistry. I think of um, when he wanted to sit out one season, I think it was the 98 season, he sat out for the beginning of it to recover from a surgery that he could have done in the off season. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I put him a little lower due to that. And also, just being in the shadow of Michael Jordan, there was such a big difference between how good Jordan was and how good Scotty was that I think it made Scotty look a little worse, definitely. And also, a reason why I put him lower is Scotty's career without Jordan. So the years that Jordan took off, the Bulls were, were definitely not as dominant. And that's, that's to be expected, losing the best player of all time. But they kind of fell to mediocrity and I think Scotty should have been able to carry the team a little more they still had a bunch of great players and then when he goes to the Rockets or I believe he spent some time in Seattle they just they never even made the finals and I think for you to put him that high uh, you put him at 15 he should have been able to lead a team to the finals and be the best player on the team not even winning the finals but at least get a team there and be the best player and he definitely had that opportunity when he was in his prime. That's why I put him a lot lower. That's a very interesting point, you know, that should, he, he should have done more without Michael Jordan. And I think that's a, that's a conversation for a later date. Just for the sake of time, I think we should move on. But yeah. uh, I'll definitely keep that one in the back of my mind, Caleb. Mm-hmm. So for me, number 16, we already talked about him, Steph Curry. Uh, yep. A lot of a lot of uh, backlash when we shared our top ten, you know, on the on the yes. Instagram page, that Caleb had Steph Curry so high, uh, but you know, I think I think the argument is valid. Steph Curry is one of the greatest shooters ever, if not the greatest shooter ever. Uh, six All NBA teams, two MVPs regular seasons, which is you know back to back crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, we we talked about in the previous episode, you know, his insane shooting numbers and uh, free uh, free throw and three point percentages. All that you know elevates him mm-hmm. to being one of the greatest players ever, and certainly one of the greatest shooters ever. Now, Caleb, as I look at your list, your number sixteen player is Moses Malone. So yeah, we got a lot of backlash for me putting Steph kind of high, and I think what people's problem is if you look at my list, Steph being at number nine. It's basically me saying he's the second best point guard of all time, only behind Magic Johnson. And honestly, that statement I have a problem with. Um, I think of Jerry West or Isaiah Thomas or Oscar Robertson. I think of those players being better historic point guards. But why I put Steph that high is just how much he means to the game now and how he changed how basketball is played. I think that increases his greatness so much that boosts his overall legacy it covers up all of his um his playoff failures and that is why he is number nine for me we don't need to talk about him anymore but yeah that's that's just me defending my case my 16 is Moses Malone we talked about Moses Malone and I'll just repeat the exact reason why I put him a little lower is just a great defender great rebounder but offensively there's a little to be desired um just skill-wise, he put up good numbers for points, but they're mainly just putbacks and um, hard work points. But looking at other centers, they had a lot more skill. Let's keep on going. For 17, you have Elvin Hayes. Yep, old man. Elvin old Hayes, man. another, another uh, old big man. 6'9 uh, forward, 
Averaged 21 points and 12 rebounds over his career. Another double-double. Six All-NBA teams, two All-NBA defensive teams. Uh, you know, not not crazy, crazy awards and nominations, Elvin Hayes. Uh, he did have one ring in 1978 with the Washington Bullets, uh, you know, a while ago. But um, what stuck out to me, Elvin Hayes, was his consistency in rebounding and scoring. For defensive rebounding especially, there were some seasons where he'd average over nine. Some seasons where he averaged over ten defensive rebounds per game, which is, in my opinion, super, super valuable. Uh, starting off his rookie season, averaging 17 rebounds a game and keeping that consistency up to his fourth se- uh, sorry, uh, seventh season where he uh, fell down to 12 per game. But that's still a crazy number to be averaging per game in a season. So that consistency and uh, in rebounding and in scoring over his career, plus considering who he was playing on a not-too-great Washington Bullets team a while ago, you know, put him, on the, put him high on my list. So this is actually interesting. This is the first player we've talked about where he's on one of our top 25 lists and not the other. So yeah, Elvin Hayes did not make my list. I think the main reason was he was greatly overshadowed by Kareem during his time. And um, I just think there's a lot better centers and big men than Elvin Hayes. His numbers were pretty good, but still that was in the, when the NBA was uh, rivaling the ABA wasn't as much talent to go around so it was I don't want to say easier but it was more common to be putting up those great numbers um he still was a superstar in his time I think there's just a few more players that had better overall resumes yeah um you know that's certainly valid I actually say it I'd I'd argue that it was easier um just because the the range of talent was so large but you know, it's 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 hard for us to say, yeah, uh, fifty years later that he would have been better or worse because of mm-hmm. this and that and this player and that guy. So, but definitely Elvin Hayes, in my opinion, top twenty player, uh, mm-hmm. very consistent, very good over uh, over a pretty long career. All right, Caleb, for number seventeen, you had Julius Irving. Yep, Doctor J, really famous for his time in the ABA being able to dominate two different leagues and a lot of people credit him for uh, the merger of the NBA and APA. So when he switched to the NBA, um, I think it was the Brooklyn Nets he was on or that team became an NBA team. He was the pretty much ABA's last superstar. If you combine his career total points for both leagues, um, he's eighth all time, which is really impressive. He played some great Lakers teams um, and Celtics teams. He definitely was close to Larry Bird and Magic. Um, I would say he, he was like on the second tier superstar compared to them, but he definitely gave them trouble. He only has one ring um, with Moses Malone. Still, he had really incredible career accomplishments. 16 All-Stars, 7 All-NBA teams, 4 MVPs. And he had a decent finals record of 1-3, and three, so I just had to put him up there. Um, and he really, in my opinion, changed the game he increased the value of a scoring perimeter guy um with his exciting dunks and just his explosiveness and i think that paved the way for a person like michael jordan so that's why i put him number 17 dr j for me the the i just remember him mainly for his shift from like layups to dunks because no one was doing what he was doing he's not on my top 25 Mm-hmm. I, I can I could explain that just by comparing the stats that you just pre- uh, presented to other players, but I'm not going to. Uh, I could make the case for him being on the top 25, in my opinion, just because of the of the shift he took with the ABA and NBA. Like you said, one of the ABA's last great stars transitioning to the NBA, bringing his flashy game, and you know, making players be like, hey, you know, I, I, I can jump as high as him. I can do this. Why why don't I do it? And then players wanting to be like him definitely changed the way basketball was played. It's kind of interesting that both of our number 17 players we don't have on each other's list. I wonder why how that happened. That's wonder funny. why. And speaking of some more similarities, number 18, we both have John Havlicek, um, yep. a great Celtics player. And you have two Celtics fans here, so. 
Yeah, so John Havlicek, uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about his raw numbers, Caleb, and then if you want, you can go into the more flashy parts of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, John Havlicek, 20 points for his career, averaging 20 points, six rebounds, and four assists. He uh, made 11 All-NBA teams, eight All-NBA defensive teams, and he was on the All-Rookie team and won one Finals MVP. Um. Yeah, definitely some great numbers, and he has eight rings and one finals MVP. So uh, those eight rings are definitely thanks to Bill Russell's dominance. But the great part about the Celtics and Bill Russell is it was a great team. There's a lot of team chemistry. So alongside Bob Cousy and Havlicek and Russell, there are many other players, uh, Casey Jones, they're able to maintain dominance for so long. What's really impressive about Havlicek is he was actually able to win a finals MVP even though he had so many great teammates on his team. So I think that was really impressive. In his prime, he was putting up 22 points a game for a guard during that time. That's really impressive. Yeah, it is definitely impressive. Uh, I just wanted to add that he was a loyal Celtic his whole life. Uh, I mentioned this a lot with players staying on the same team, but it definitely resonates with me as being loyal to a club. And, um, you know, not that Havlicek would want to leave Bill Russell Celtics, but being valued to a team that good definitely speaks to how good he was as a player. Um, that's our first player that we've agreed on the same spot. So next we have number 19. I have Elgin Baylor. So another one of those players putting up crazy stats, but never winning. I would say he's the first version of Carl Malone that comes along. Looking at his stats, it was just crazy. Career average points per game, 27.4. Um, rebounds, 13.5. Uh, 4.3 assists. In his prime, um, from 1959 to 64, he was putting up 31.9 points a game, 16 rebounds, 4.5 assists. And the crazy thing is, he wasn't the seven-footer like Kareem or Wilt. He was just a 6'5 small forward, snatching um, sometimes 20 rebounds a game which is insane. That's like Harden getting 25 rebounds. Actually, there's a lot of similarities between Baylor and Harden putting up great stats and never winning. 11 All-Stars, 10 All-NBAs, one Rookie of the Year. Just a really impressive career resume, except his 0-8 finals record. And I just think that greatly hurts his case for one of the best players of all time. Um, when you especially consider his teammates, Wilt and um, Jerry West, and a, just a great Lakers team, they never could beat Bill Russell. Bill Russell got in the way of a lot of players' um, legacy being one of the best players of all time. That's why he's so high on the list. Can't yeah. argue with greatness. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elgin Baylor was actually not on my list. It's funny, Caleb. I've, I had never heard of Elgin Baylor until you just <laughs> brought him up. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. But um, even even after, you know, you talking about him and presenting your case, I still will not put him in my top 25. Just because, oh, like okay. you said, the finals record being dominated by Bill Russell. Uh, he has, like you said, put up some very impressive numbers with the 10 NBA teams that you mentioned in the Rookie of the Year. But just not good enough, I feel like, to push forward on that uh, top 25 spot with zero rings. Yeah. What's cool about this podcast is we have such a – unique perspective because we've only seen we've probably only been watching basketball I don't know I'd say since 2008 that's when I really started paying Mm -hmm. attention um maybe even later than that so there's some players that it's just impossible for us to know about especially like a player like Elgin Baylor without even being a champion it's really hard for us to know about and also something interesting he couldn't even win a scoring title and you'd think someone putting up those numbers wouldn't win a scoring title but since he was playing when Wilt was playing, uh, Wilt kind of took all the scoring titles. And also when he was playing, Bill Russell was playing, so he couldn't even win a championship. It was a very unlucky time for Elgin Baylor to be playing, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so my number 19, we already talked about him, Kevin Durant. Now, mm-hmm. Caleb, you Kevin Durant is number seven. Yes. Uh, we, we, talk, we talked a lot about him in our last episode and there will be a new episode solely based on Kevin Durant in the uh, next couple weeks. But, um, 
you know, I'll save, I'll save most of my Kevin Durant criticism for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I just want to bring up right now is Kevin Durant's legacy as if, 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 if his career ended right now, how would he be remembered? And to me, he would be remembered as the guy who did anything he could to get a ring. Um, you know, and there's not necessarily something wrong with that, but at the same time, it's not what you want to be remembered for. Mm. He had a really, really good 2012 OKC team with Harden and Westbrook. Uh, Westbrook drove him out of OKC. Uh, He went to Golden State, got a ring, created a super team, never really felt like he belonged. Now he's on the nets and he's recovering. That strain of events just doesn't really in my opinion, deserve a spot in the top 10. I'm sure we'll get into a more lengthy debate when we primarily focus on Durant in one episode. But just something I'd like to bring up is, you know, I think Durant uh, ring chasing, quote unquote, is honestly a better path for his legacy compared to a person like Carl Malone that um, wasted his prime on the Jazz and put up great numbers but just never could win a ring. And you look at Durant and Malone, they, they're both, um, for a time, average 27 points a game. But, uh, you know, look who has the, the two rings. That's Durant. Um, yeah, and I think yeah. that's why he should be remembered as a better player. And you actually have him, like, five spots below Malone. But um, I can't wait to talk about Durant a little more. He has a really interesting career that we both really care about. Um, yeah, he's, he certainly does. And I also feel like, uh, I forgot to mention this, Kevin Durant, too, definitely has a little bit um, more time in the NBA. Yeah. And uh, I think it's very, very doable for him to move up a lot of spots on my list, and I think a few spots on your list, if he comes back and continues to play at the same level, if not at a higher level than he was playing at before the injury. I, I think that level of play at a consistent, you know, day-to-day basis could definitely move him really high up on our list. Mm-hmm. That level of play, especially not being on a super team. Um, yeah. I think that that's when he really starts – making his legacy. Yeah, we'll so, see if he can handle Kyrie, but, you know, yeah. whatever. So for 20, this might be a player that you've never heard of. Um, I have Bob Pettit. So Bob Pettit was this power forward on the St. Louis Hawks. He actually handed Bill Russell the only L of his career. Um, so that one finals loss was from the St. Louis Hawks, Bob Pettit. He was just a dominant player, and he put up some crazy numbers. So – his points per game was 26.4, uh, 16.2 rebounds, and three assists a game. So those are definitely some Elgin Baylor numbers, but he has a win to back it up. Um, he has a one in three finals record. Uh, he has two MVPs, two scoring titles, 11 All-Stars, 11 All-NBAs. He's 18th in all-time for career total rebounds, which again is really impressive considering his only 11 seasons. Not to mention the win over Russell the year before, he also took Bill Russell to Game 7 in the NBA Finals. He really gave Russell a run for his money. So that's why I put him at number 20 of all time. Yeah, Bob Pettit. I've never even heard of him or the team. So definitely my young view on the NBA is showing here. But, uh, yeah, I didn't know that's, that's who gave Bill Russell his loss. Um, I wish I came across him in my research because that definitely would have been a, a compelling argument. He may have ended up on my list. Uh, you know, just looking at his stats quickly right now, uh, like you said, the 26 points per game and uh, 16 rebounds, that's a high double-double career average. Yeah. Um, only 11 seasons, you know, technology back then, probably not as helpful to the players as it is now. Mm. Uh, so I don't know if you can really blame him for those 11 seasons, but um yeah, very, very solid player. Also, uh, just something to mention, his kind of game, um, those 26.4 points a game didn't come from mid-range shots. They really just came from hustle points inside. And I think that would really hurt him if he played in, say, today's NBA. I think he would be a starter on a team. But just being a short uh, big man and not really being able to shoot, um, I don't know if he'd really – belong in this league or very or shine but just you have to respect his greatness for his time and how the game was played um so that's why i put him that high so next for number 20 you have wilt wow that yep, i did not realize low, you right? had him that low 
Yeah. Yeah. That is very low. Um, so we, we talked about Will a lot. His numbers are outstanding. 30 points, 22 rebounds for a career average, four NBA uh, MVP awards, one NBA uh, finals MVP and one all-star MVP. Now, what will why why I have him so low is because two rings averaging thirty points for his career, like eh, like I don't know, I don't know. It just seems like he should have been so much more dominant and great. So I actually have a question for you. Yeah. Um, what was your reasoning for putting Carl Malone over Will? So, Carl Malone, in my opinion got a bad rap to be second all-time scoring have zero championships due to michael jordan i just i feel like without michael jordan carl malone would have like three maybe even four rings mm. will had no michael jordan he averaged he had 30 bill points. russell though well yeah he had bill russell but eh, well hmm, interesting he had bill russell he managed to get two bill russell had 11 Carmelo had zero and Michael's six. Huh, that's, it's, it's, I think it's an interesting comparison yeah. to compare the league to the player and who he was um, playing against. Yeah, what, what I would say, um, pretty much, I, I don't really agree with this reasoning, but the reasoning for putting Malone higher than Wilt is just the average competition for Malone was probably a lot higher than it was for Wilt. Um, Malone still faced a superstar like Jordan and Wilt had Russell. But um, I think there were a lot more teams that Wilt could just destroy on a nightly basis where Malone had had to face a, a great center or um, a great defensive team almost every night. So that's why I could understand that reasoning to put Malone higher. But still, I don't know. Wilt 20, that's, that's mighty low. <laughs> it, is, it is low, but, um, you know, that's, that's just how I see it. Actually, funny thing is, speaking of Malone, I, actually, I have him at 21. Um, I think we all know how I feel about Malone. Uh, great statistically. I don't really know if it means that much. I would, I would dare say he's a top 10 talent in the NBA of all time, but I just don't know if he really could ever figure out how to win. Um, so that's why I, I put him in. He didn't even make the top 20 for me. Um, yeah. But still a great talent, and um, I think that should be respected. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that interesting argument you brought up, top 10 talent not top 20 player maybe maybe in the future we until we talk about just raw skill but for now i'll move on to number 21 i have charles barkley uh i think he's a similar similar player to malone in the sense that he can never figure out how to beat jordan just career wise 22 points per his career average uh, 11 rebounds pretty solid double double he's in the hall of fame two olympic gold medals one mvp uh, all rookie team he had 11 All-NBA appearances, and um, he won the MVP and the All-Star game. Barkley, though, him and his 76ers and, uh, and, the, and his uh, Phoenix Suns teams just could not beat Jordan. And I'm, I think, you know, we've, we've said this a lot, but to have, I think Barkley, Barkley has zero rings, I'm pretty sure. But yeah. just, yeah, zero rings against um, – in his entire career just rubs me the wrong way. And, you know, obviously that's due to Michael, but if you can't figure out how to beat one guy, are you really that great? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, I think a trend that's been developing is pretty much the bottom 15 or actually lower than the top 10. There are a lot of players that have outstanding statistics, very talented, um, very iconic, but, not champions, and that definitely hurts their legacy. For Charles Barkley, he didn't make my top 25. He was very, very close. I just I couldn't imagine how frustrating it is to be a player like Barkley and to play the play so great against Jordan in the finals, um, play the games of his life, uh, play some of the games, the best games of his life, and still lose to Jordan. Um, and just having to accept the defeat of Jordan's just better than me. Um, I couldn't imagine how frustrating that is for Barkley, um, considering how great he was. His lack of rings and also comparing his stats 
two players similar to him that never won. He didn't make my top 25, but yeah, he's definitely a close runner up. Um, yeah, he was, he was a great player. The yeah. next, the next one I just want to briefly go over, cause I had Jerry West as number 22 and we already had a long discussion about him. Mm, yeah. So I want to move on to my 23 and your 22, who is uh, Kevin Garnett. Yeah. So we both had Kevin Garnett at pretty much the same spot. Yeah. Just a great, player um I definitely am biased towards him uh due to me being a Celtics fan that big three in 08 that was a great team yeah Kevin Garnett his statistical dominance with the Timberwolves I think is sometimes forgotten about um he was putting up some great numbers uh 22 21.7 points a game 12.8 rebounds 4.8 assists uh he averaged that from 97 to 08 he played in a very interesting time changing uh, the league developing from the nineties to the early two thousands. Um, there was a lot more three pointers being shot near the end of his career. And in the beginning he was playing with Jordan. Um, I think that was really, really interesting. Uh, he has a one and no finals record. Um, and I thought something really impressive is that his stats kind of went down once he joined the Celtics, but I think he did that intentionally. Um, to be a team member and to let Paul Pierce and Ray Allen shine and that chemistry worked together and that made such a great team. And also uh, I didn't even mention Rondo letting Rondo develop and uh, be the playmaker for the team. I just think Kevin Garnett deserves a lot of credit for trading individual greatness for team greatness. Yeah. I totally agree with everything you said, you know, basically for all those reasons, he was, uh, number 23 on my list. Um, I don't really think number 22 and number 23 ranking are that different. You know, just a few players happen to be a little bit better in my eyes than yours, and that's why he's a little a little bit lower on my list. But like you said, his Timberwolves career, uh, especially his rookie couple seasons, I think he I think he had 10, 10 or 12 seasons on the Timberwolves, but yep. he was truly dominant, averaging a um, around 17 points a game up to 23 points a game, 24 points a game yeah. uh, for his career on the Timberwolves, then becoming more of a team player on the Celtics and getting a ring in uh, 07, I'm pretty sure 07, 08. Uh, you know, that, that team definitely in Boston is considered one of the, one of the best Celtics teams. Uh, and Kevin Garnett, definitely a big, a big part of that. So just to like provide some proof to what we're saying of him trading the t individual greatness for team greatness is um, his last year in Minnesota averaging 22.4 points a game, 12.8 rebounds. The very next year when he went to Boston, it wasn't, he was falling off. He chose to put those numbers up in Boston, 18.8 points per game, 9.2 rebounds a game. So there is a big swing in his stats, but they won a championship. So that's really important to remember. And also something that really boosts Kevin Garnett's legacy is being able to outplay a great LeBron James, like a great young LeBron James. I think that's really impressive. And those Celtics teams gave LeBron a lot of trouble um, pretty much his whole career. And I think that really helps Garnett's legacy. So that's great that we both can agree on Garnett. Um, let's move on. So next I have Dirk and yeah, you talked about Dirk. You put him a lot higher. Um, yeah. I, I think I have a hard time putting Dirk above Garnett just due to his finals loss against Wade's Heat. But both players, they both gave LeBron a lot of trouble. Um, and I don't really have much to add to Dirk. Uh, he was a great player. I would say he's the best European player of all time. Um, definitely one of the best international players, probably only behind um, Elijah Wan. So, yeah, yeah, that's my case for Dirk. Um, anything to add? No, I mean, not really. We t we talked about Dirk a lot earlier in the episode. Um, I definitely think that he is, like you said, one of the best international players. Uh, definitely, one, definitely, I think, the best European player. Just a quick question, Caleb. He's number 23 on your list below mm -hmm. Kevin Garnett. Is that yeah. just because you know, you were a Celtics fan and you loved the Celtics and I totally respect that. But um, Garnett, I feel like played less of a 
impactful role on a championship team than Dirk did? Hmm. Well, I think it's pretty easy to say Garnett was the best player on the championship team, but I do agree that um, he had some supporting stars that were uh, much greater than any Dirk teammates, um, like Ray Allen or Paul Pierce and even Rondo. They're all going to make the Hall of Fame. They're all going to be they're all regarded as some of the best players. Um, I think I put Garnett higher just because of his 1-0 finals record. Um, I think that had a lot to do with it was hard for Garnett to get to the finals, but with that one finals, he won. And I think that makes a better case for his greatness than Dirk losing his finals. Because um, a lot of people think Dirk choked him in the 2006 finals, I believe. But Garnett and Dirk, their careers played out in very similar ways. Um, just when they entered the league, their competition, uh, their position, their offensive dominance. And also, I think Garnett was a far better, well-rounded player defensively and rebounding-wise. Um, I just think he brought more to the team. Just a little more, not that much more. While he might have been a little less of an offensive um, star than Dirk. All right, you know that I—I I mean, it's valid and all that, and I just wanted to get your opinion. Uh, yeah. So we'll we'll move on now. Number twenty-four. Uh, we talked about him a little earlier, Caleb. Scotty Pippen is your number twenty-four. Uh yes. So I had Scotty Pippen. Um, he almost didn't make my list. I think I was going to put uh Barkley above him, but Scotty Pippen, great player. Um, one of the best defensive players of all time, and I'll just repeat my reasoning for putting him a little lower is just his lack of success without Jordan. Um, you can make the case that Jordan wouldn't have been successful without Scotty. I totally agree, but I think Scotty had the talent, had the um, tools, had the teammates to carry a team, but he wasn't able to. And I think that hurts his greatness because there's a lot of other players that um, are above him that, we're able to carry a team. We're able to be the best player on a championship team. And Scotty um, sadly never achieved that. So that's why I put him a little lower. Yeah, I agree. Um, personally, you know, I talked a little earlier, Scotty Pippen, there's no level drawing without Scotty Pippen. His ability to, to take over a team definitely wasn't there in the absence of Michael Jordan. And I can see why people uh, would put him lower on their list because of that. And, all of the reasons that you mentioned earlier. So you actually have Kawhi, which I, w- I would consider kind of a mod- modern-day Scottie Pippen. So talk about Kawhi for a little. I think Kawhi is a little better than Scottie Pippen. Um, Interesting. This is, I think, something that people forget about. But Kawhi, two finals MVPs. Mm. Obviously one with the Raptors, which I'll talk about in, in a minute, but also one with the Spurs on a very dominant um, Tim Duncan, uh, Monte Ginobili, Tony Parker team. He also has five all-NBA defensive teams. His defense is unmatched. He averages two steals a game per his career, which is a crazy number of steals uh, per game. Kawhi, in the first five years of his career, Averaged below 1.5 turnovers a game. Yeah. That's a, uh, uh, making his efficiency super, super high. He's averaging 27 points in his career right now, or is the span of his career, seven rebounds and five assists. And obviously, we all know what happened last year with the Raptors. He turned a team that was, you know, good, but nothing special into a championship team. He gave Kyle Lowry satisfaction. He made DeMar DeRozan mad. And he put um, Pascal Siakam on the map as being one of the most improved. I think, I think he was actually the most improved player that year. Yeah, he was. Not, he would have been this year because, you know, he's, he's definitely um, making a name for himself. Kawhi also, starting out in the Spurs, really developed, you know, into a reliable player. Being a rookie starting in the finals with a very, very experienced Spurs team is very hard mm-hmm. to do. And he did it, you know, stone cold. So, yeah, those are very good points for Kawhi. Interesting, you said Kawhi you think is better than Scotty. And I think we'll see how his career plays out, but maybe he could um, be better than Scotty. And I think 
honestly, if you insert Kawhi into that Bulls team and, and take out Scotty, they, they would have just as much success. I think so, just too. The defensive dominance. Um, a few points that I would like to bring up for Kawhi is, yeah, he was the finals MVP as a rookie. But what makes that even more impressive is he was guarding LeBron James. He was guarding one of the best players of all time. And also, he didn't lead the team, but he was a big reason why that great Spurs team um, was able to be a big three Heat team. And yeah, Kawhi, he's, he's played some of the best players, Durant, LeBron, and sometimes he looks even better than them. So that, that definitely um, helps his case for top 25 players of all time. He did not make my list, and I'll tell you why. Sometimes his play style, it's a bit too isocentric for me. He doesn't always lead to team victories. He can put up great numbers, um, and he can carry the team, but he doesn't really, I wouldn't say, he doesn't always make the team better as a whole. And you look at the Raptors' success without him. So um, in that championship year, I think it, yeah, 2019, Kawhi rested many games. Um, he loves to load manage. Um, and when he was out, the Raptors still had a great record. Um, they had a lot of team chemistry. And I just think Kawhi, kind of like how Kevin Durant is to the Warriors, he's just an added superstar that puts them over the edge. But there's already a really great fundamental team before them. So I think that in a way hurts his legacy for the Raptors and also his ring that he won with the Raptors is a great series but also you have to remember that that Warriors team they were destroyed by the end they didn't have Clay or Durant so and a Raptors team that was very durable and they they kind of remained healthy so Kawhi didn't have to do much to um, win that series so those are a few points just why Kawhi isn't as high for me but we'll see how he does with the Clippers um, and if he can win a third championship for another team and be the best player on that team, that would really be um, crazy. And I think that would, then I would reconsider putting him in the top 25 for sure. Yeah. If he did that, then he'd be on the same level as LeBron, not not in the skill sense, but you know, being one of the best players on a championship team. No, for sure. Yeah. That's really interesting. Kawhi. So I hate to accuse you of this, Max, but um, I'm just looking at your list. So you have Tim Duncan coming in at number eight. You have Kawhi at 24, and you have David Robinson at 25. Are you, are you some secret Spurs fan or something? What, what's your reasoning for all this? Mm. Well, Caleb, it's funny that you, uh, you mentioned that. I do like the Spurs, but that is not the reason why I have three great Spurs on the list. So David Robinson at number uh, 25 for me. Now, ready? just get, just get ready for this. All right. I'm going to read off all his relevant awards and mm-hmm. just just tell me just tell me after i read these you don't think he deserves a spot so six-time rookie of the month four-time uh, nba player of the week nba rookie of the year eight all defensive teams 10 all uh, ta- 10 all nba teams he was the nba defensive player of the year he also won an nba sportsmanship player of the year caleb he's mm-hmm. an olympic uh, gold medalist not once but twice he was one uh, one-time NBA MVP. He's obviously in the Hall of Fame. He also won an Olympic bronze medal. He made the All NBA Rookie Team, and he won the NBA Sporting News All NBA Most Valuable Player. Wow! Aside from all that, he averaged 21 points for his career and 28. Uh, sorry, not 28. Uh, 10 rebounds. Um, he had a long career with the Spurs. Uh, he averaged a lot of rebounds in his rookie seasons. He kind of had a little bit of a, a, a lull in his middle part of his career, but then picked it right back up in the next couple of seasons. He averaged 24 points in his rookie career, or sorry, rookie season. And that only went up. His uh, most per season was 29.8, just shy of 30. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just super, super memorable season, in my opinion. Or it's not season, mm-hmm. career, sorry. Um. So what I would just like to talk about, David Robinson, great player, of course. I think he would definitely make my top 30. Um, but why I didn't put him in the top 25 is, unfortunately, I think being a part of the Spurs, it kind of some players' legacy. They're great teammates. Um, 
and Popovich has a great system. But I think when you're talking about just individual greatness, I think it hurts him because he has two NBA championships. And in, I think, both of those NBA championships, guess who's finals MVP? Tim Duncan. I think they made a great team, David Robinson and Tim Duncan. But Duncan outshining Robinson consistently, I think that um, hurts Robinson's case for being in the top 25. But he was a great defensive player, great center, and put up some insane numbers. Uh, He averaged 29.8 points a game in the uh, 94 season, which is incredible. He was, yeah, he was just a great center. But I think being a part of that Spurs team and Duncan overshadowing him hurt his legacy. See, I disagree. I don't think it hurt him. I just think it boosted Duncan. Because like I said earlier, um, I talked about in the previous episode how Duncan, top 10 player, and his greatness and all his accomplishments, you know, five rings. But um, with David Robinson playing with a young Tim Duncan, I don't think it's a negative against David Robinson that he got outshined. I just think it's Tim Duncan's greatness. Uh, you know, I think this is a this is a bit of foreshadowing, but when you talk about Dwayne Wade here in a couple of minutes, yeah, being outshined by LeBron is not a negative on Dwayne Wade, but you know, just further promoting LeBron James. So that is a great point. But I would like to mention that Dwayne Wade won a finals before LeBron. He won a finals when he was the best player on the team, which is something David Robinson did not do. Um, I think I've mentioned this quite a few times. Wade led a old Shaq, possibly washed up, um, and a pretty good Alonzo Mourning Heat team um, to the finals and beat the Mavericks. He beat Dirk when Dirk was in his prime. Um, and that is why I put Dwayne Wade number 25. I think um, when we put this up on our list on Instagram, a lot of people will disagree with this. Uh, they'll have some recency bias thinking of um, – Dwayne Wade kind of squandering his last few years of um, kind of just staying in the league, but not really being able to be as dominant. Um, Like when he was on the Cavs or uh, Heat or Bulls um, near the end. But if you just look at Dwayne Wade when he was in his prime, you see some great numbers, um, great team success and individual success. So Wade has a career average of 22 points per game, 4.7 rebounds, 5.4 assists. But you, if you look at his prime from 2004 to 11, he was putting up 26.6 points per game, 5.2 rebounds, and 6.6 assists. That's a great stat line for a shooting guard. Um, it rivals any Kobe stat line. Um, and he's definitely in the conversation for a top three shooting guard of all time, um, probably only behind Kobe and Jordan. And that's why he deserves to be in the top 25. You know, that's a pretty good argument, Caleb. The one thing that I, I – I think that Dwayne Wade, if I had to make, you know, five more and go to 30, I think he'd be on my list for top 30. Uh, he was one of my honorable mentions. But um, I just think that there are, you know, players and especially point guard and shooting guards that outshine him um, just by a little bit. You know, those stat lines that you just presented are really good and uh, really, really hard to do. And, of course, the championships with LeBron and with uh, Alonzo Mourning, like you mentioned. And I'll, I'll, I'll give Shaq uh, some credit on that <laughs> championship, too. But, um, you know, definitely, definitely top 30 player. Just for me, not good enough to make it in the top 25. Well, there you have it, guys. That is our top 25 greatest players of all time. Um, we had a lot of interesting conversations. And I think what's most interesting is how many times we agreed um and there were really only a few disagreements but those disagreements were pretty uh severe especially in this episode and i can't wait to hear from some of you guys on what your top 25 is um feel free to submit your list to our instagram um dm us and we'll post it and see what the world thinks of it yeah um any closing remarks by you max I think we wrapped it up pretty nicely, and I uh, I really enjoyed having these conversations, you know, the agreements and disagreements. 
just want to say episode on Kevin Durant coming shortly sometime yep. next week. Be sure to look on our Instagram for updates. We're going to be mm-hmm. talking about Kevin Durant's legacy, you know, his college career to now, uh, his Thunder team with Westbrook and Harden, his Golden State run, and now his yeah. Nets, uh, potential run with Kyrie Irving. Um, yeah, I can't wait to do that episode. Another episode to get excited about is, I think, um, following that Durant episode, we are going to talk about the last dance and um, Michael Jordan's career. You are going to hear a bunch more episodes where we try to focus on one player or one career um, and really do a deep dive. So for these pyramid episodes, we really just did a general overview. Um, We couldn't really get our feet wet um, going into each player, but um, hopefully in the Durant and Jordan episodes, you guys will have a more interesting perspective on it. So um, I think that is all for today. This is Hoops from Home, episode two, and we hope you enjoy. Thank you.